Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. If all of these things come together, Brad, we might. We could win the league. We might win the <laughs> When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Never Doubted William for a Second podcast, podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend Bradley Adams. Hello, my friend. Hello. Bradley, we're just going to have a quick moment of silence for Sam Allardyce's career. You're a real one. It was good while it lasted, Sam. It was good. You did a great job, and it's time to go. What a great feeling, just relegizing that man. <laughs> I use that word in reference to uh, the USA soccer guy on Twitter, if you haven't seen it. Um, in all seriousness, I, I, I'm sort of happy. In, in a season of very I hate few... Big Sam. I hate Big Sam, so I'm happy to send him down for the first time in his career. In a season of very few positives... If anything, no positives. Little to no positives. Hey, come on. There's been some. The kits look good, Brad. All right, Rolf Harris, calm down. No, the kits, not the kids. Oh, I thought you said the kids. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rolf Harris, calm down, sweetheart. What are you doing? (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's where this podcast is starting today. Yeah. That's where we're jumping off from. Good morning. (laughs) I've just spilled a cup of coffee everywhere. Yeah, it's been an absolute nightmare start. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast. Um, Arsenal beat West Bromwich Albion 3-1 at the Emirates. Um, Thank God our prediction came right and Willian scored. Um, If you remember, we spent sort of the vast majority of the last podcast predicting that he would score. um, And he did. So um, thank goodness. Geniuses. Geniuses. Um, how are you feeling overall on the game, Brad? Quite pissed off. <laughs> Why? Uh, because for some reason we seemed more up for a relegation scrapped team and actually tried more. But I think that that's a conversation to come on when it comes into, you know, we reverted back to the four two three one, which we've looked better in all season. But like, I, I got to about the 75 minute mark and I was like, where the fuck was this energy in Thursday? We needed one goal. And on a day, I'm pretty sure, where, where was it? Villarreal. They've literally just conceded four goals to Celta Vigo. Like. Not the vibe. And it, it that so yesterday's performance, whilst like, like I was happy that we kind of played okay. I don't think we played amazingly. You know, they, um. They outdo us on expected goals, about 1.6 to 0.98. But, I mean, expected goals doesn't matter half the time. It's about it's about taking your it's possession. That and while expe- yeah, it's possession <laughs> that matters. Um, you know, but we dominated. And whilst we didn't do a lot with the ball sometimes, we, we, had, we sh- absolutely should have won the game. And half the time our, expect- our XG is so low is because half of the clear-cut opportunities we were creating, like those cutbacks across the box... They just, people just weren't there quick enough. And, you know, Gabby had a few chances to tuck one away and just didn't quite get there quick enough. I'm picturing kind of Smith Rowe at the back post, almost getting his second, just not there yeah. quick enough. But it, it just, it really pissed me off. And I don't know whether it's because we, and, and for a multitude of reasons, one, the energy thing, but two, like, why are we still starting a loanee that we know isn't going to be here next season? For me... Like, that just doesn't make sense. We mathematically cannot qualify for Champions League now. You know, there's obviously still a chance we could qualify for the Europa League, depending on results above us. 
ETC, but like this was the perfect opportunity to be giving minutes to Aziz. Yeah. At some point, you know, bringing him on for 40 minutes or 35 minutes in the second half. A perfect opportunity to give minutes to Nelson. And though William, though William scored, like giving minutes to a player who either who we should have loaned out because he's not played since January and all of these things. So yesterday did piss me off quite a lot. Yeah. But I'm happy with the result. It's a weird kind of conundrum. Yeah. Uh, just to jump also jump in on that one. The I think Aziz and Balligan did play in the under twenty threes, but I mean there's still, you know, you can play 10, 15, 15 minutes, minutes, you know, two games after yeah. after a after a um under twenty threes match. The yeah, um the problem with this game was, right, is obviously it was a bit of an experiment starting Saka at left back. Obviously, we had no sort of precedent of him being good there. It kind of, you know, it was a bit of a risk. I think it massively paid off, though. Um, and I thought, oh, I wish we'd sort of known this maybe like a couple of weeks ago or something. Because then we could have played him in the European um, uh, semi-final like that. But obviously, we didn't know that, so... Um, sort of no I think the thing it. is, is is it we needed a like we we take the piss, but it just shows how how having somebody in that position with athleticism just absolutely and revolutionizes our and game. It, it's someone who can basically shadow Tierney and do what Tierney does, and it's it, it's yeah, which is why we need left back cover in the summer. We we desperately yeah. do one because Saka, while he was brilliant at left back, you don't want to have to keep pulling him from his position to kind of accommodate an injury slash granite jacker um but yeah he was he was sensational there yeah it is just frustrating because i think a lot of things this and again you know i don't i we've we had a massive kind of disagreement slash debate conversation in the last episode if you haven't listened to it please do about the whole arteta situation and i don't know whether it was arteta's decision or edu's decision or whoever's decision to not bring in left back cover for six months but again, all of these things just seem to keep blowing up in our faces. All of the decisions that are being made, I'm like, we're now having to play what, who is currently our best player at 19 away from his best position at left back because we didn't have the foresight to bring cover in. And, you know, even then we're not playing Cedric. You know, Cedric isn't the best, but why hasn't... I, I don't understand why Chambers hasn't been moved to right centre-back and Cedric in at right back. Because I think Chambers would do a perfectly good job there. We seem to really lack and need a ball-playing centre-back in that back four. And Chambers seems to have at least the best range of passing if you're talking about the options of Chambers holding or, yeah, you know, playing two, two yeah. left-footers. Apart from Louise, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. But we can't play Louise because he's out. Um, so I, it just, for, for me, again, it throws doubt on the decision to sign him in the first place on a four year contract on 75 grand a week, if we're not going to play him. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I played some football manager on my notes app last night with you and holdings, one of the people that if we can get 15 million pound for, we sell because, you know, I don't think he's good enough to be part of the back four. And I think that we've got a better option in chambers who can cover not only right center back, but right back and defensive midfield if, if needed be, you know, he's um Fulham's player of the season there when they got relegated. Yeah. So it there's just a few things, there's a few decisions within this game that seem to again just piss me off and they're the same decisions that keep being made. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the lineup, I mean, you know, just to kind of come on to that because it's a natural m- moving on uh from Progression. there, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sabios, yeah. I, I I don't know what the relevance is of him being there. I mean, you know, irrelevant of his performance you know before the match picking Ceballos a guy who is clearly going back to Madrid based on everything he's saying based on you know the all the, the fact that he's dog shit here yes that that doesn't help um but you know playing a 16 year old playing Charlie Patino there Aziz someone just give you know in in a game like this it's it's a it's a perfect opportunity to to give you know to 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 future proof um, some of these players give them their Premier League debuts and just and just see what happens because I don't I don't see what yeah. you 
what you learn from another Ceballos performance. I don't see what you okay, learn. I think it's from just because another... he's trying to get into the Europa League. I think he's trying to push for those Europa spots, and he's he's looking at it, going, "I don't want to play party because he's played on Thursday, and I don't want to get him injured again, like I did against Spurs by rushing him back." So Ceballos really was because we we have a couple of central midfielders. It's just they're not good enough. You know, Jack is out injured. We've got Party on the bench. So if you're looking at our only two other kind of senior options, it is El Nenny and Ceballos. So I, I, I can see the thinking. It just pisses me off that again there was no one on the bench to bring off. Yeah, I think that's more the thing. At the end of the day, you can. It's a Premier League game, and if he starts Aziz and Aziz has a stinker, people will be abs. Especially after Thursday, people will be like the vitriol of calling for his head would get even worse. Um. So like you can un- you can understand the thought process, but I just don't understand the thought process of having, you know, Willian in over Nelson when we, you know, he scored yesterday, yes, but one goal in 37 games and something like 1,500 minutes is just an abominable return when we've got a youngster on the bench who, when he was loaned out to Hoffenheim, people were talking about him and Jaden Sancho in yeah. the same breath in conversation. And, and this is, you know, and this is why... It, it makes no sense. And this is why, you know, I understand that, you know, he's he's trying to get into the Europa League kind of side of things, but if he still thinks... We're starting, not exactly playing, like, West Ham, who are having a great season. We're playing relegation fodder and, as well. And if we want... <laughs> If he, if he still thinks that starting Willian is our... And I understand we've got a game on Wednesday and we need to rest some players, but, you know, think of the wing, the options we could... You know, we could stick Pepe on the right and have Alba on the left or, you know, the, I don't know. There's, there's so many other options. Martinelli on the left and Alba, Martin, Alba through the middle. Whatever. Like. There's so many options that aren't playing Willian. So that, I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get... I don't see the value. Willian... Yeah, he, William does to our squad what he does on the football pitch, which is clog up channels. Yeah. No, you know, so half true. the time on the football pitch, he is in the wrong place. He is right next to the ball, clogging up the channel that you would want Saka running up or Tini running up or whoever, or even Chambers running up. And he's doing that in our squad because if we look at our squad moving forward and you're going, okay, well, left wing options, say, for example, we focus on having Saka on the right wing and then Pepe on the left wing, but then we've also got Martinelli on the left wing, meaning that we can give kind of Saka and Reese Nelson the run of the right wing and kind of interchange those players. You've then got a Willian who's on 150 grand a week clogging up a space that is constantly being played over these youngsters who he's no better than. You know, I don't know if it was his last start, but in, I'm pretty sure in his last start for us, I, I think he scored. I saw on Twitter or something like that. Like it, it, it again. It, it's, it's this whole. I think because we're coming to the end of the season, he scored and, a winner against Liverpool or something. Yeah, That's and I think because we're coming to the end of the season, this is when you know. And I'm sorry, listeners, you're probably going to hear a lot of squad building talk because, like you do anyway. But the, the transfer window opens in a month, and it's not like we can focus on trying to get anywhere with the football. So we're going to try and focus on where we can move going forward, and. I just it I he he does need to be sold in the summer purely because he is blocking channels for certain players to really excel. Nicola Pepe has almost got twenty goal contributions this season, right? Has been our third highest contributor and has still not started four Premier League games in a row in his Arsenal career. And people talk about you know oh I saw a t- chat on um on. Uh, Twitter yesterday of saying like, oh, people talk about Saka as if he's the, the player in his prime and Pepe as if he's the youngster. I'm like, well, currently they're being treated as such by the manager. Saka is being treated like a player who is a first teamer in his prime at 19. And Pepe is being treated as a youngster being bedded into the squad, giving him a start here, resting him here, 20 minutes here, here and there to try and... and even if you look at the numbers, Pepe's, Pepe's got a better kind of goal contribution ratio because that's the kind of player that he is. But the fact that we've had William eat up 1,500 minutes this season from players like Saka, Pepe, Martinelli, Erdegaard at points, Reese Nelson, you know, Balogun when we were playing Willian at false nine for some reason. Like, it, 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 it's, it's a worrying sign that he started this game again, especially when he brought him on against Villarreal and he did nothing. Yeah, he was never in doubt though. Um... Gabby was central. Um, it was a great free kick, I have to it was say. Great free kick. We'll get to that, but great free kick. Gabby central. Um, I, I do have to say on Martinelli, I think 
I don't think he's quite ready to play that position yet. I I don't hundred no. percent know whether he will end up as an eleven or a or a nine or a seven or whatever. I really don't know. But I think at the moment his centre forward play, his his hold up play and his link up just isn't good enough. He's not technically he's he's got a great burst, he's quick off the mark, he's like a bullet out of a gun, he's he presses well. But there were so many times when Sabayos or El Nenny would would fire a ball into him. And listen, you know, they're the type of players that can't play you a ball that tells you exactly what to do with it. You know, there's there's, there's players like Party yeah. who gives you a ball and it, it's obvious what you need to do with it. But they're firing balls into him quite quickly, Smith Rowe, and he just loses it quite a lot and, and it breaks down our attack. Now, listen, I think Gabby has a fantastic striker's instinct. I think he's a clearly, like, attitude. You know, you watch him on, on Thursday night. He was one of the only players making any kind of intensive runs or intensive sprints but I do think yeah and it's important he gets games and I think and and, and I'm not saying Mikel shouldn't have started him because if you're going to start him start him in a game like this get him some experience up there Um, I just don't think he's ready to play centre forward Um, no I, I would I would kind of agree with you I think that maybe and 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 then on commentary, almost, almost uh, compared to like a on commentary, they were no 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 you go you go they mate. were you know going oh oh he's not quite you know not quite at the races today or you know he's not really got into the game. Part of that is because he's not being sort of secure enough in in his Fed possession well enough. No, but part, well. part he's got, because he's being secure in possession, but partly because he's not being yeah as you say he's not he's not being fed. He's not like the the service goes past him. I think and a lot, sort of a big issue in our game, I felt today, was the lack of centrality. Um, and and mm. I think Gabby was one of the, the biggest um, sort of, what's the opposite of benefactor? Biggest detractor? Detractor. Yeah. yeah. From that, I don't know if that's the right thing. Um, but I think the fact that we do play this kind of slightly U-shaped football that that feels a little bit unpenetrative means that the central players often in the final third do lose out or they or they have to get on the end of things. Yeah. And when that's not mm-hmm. quite happening or, you know, it's not quite working for them, there's very little for them to feed on. So it was a it was a difficult one for him. I, I'd like to see him there in the future, but yeah. I think moving forward it's almost and I'm not comparing the player that like directly, but it's almost the Ronaldo esque career progression that I can see him positionally taking. I can see him being a very good left winger for us for a couple of years and then moving centrally to be more of a forward. Uh, which I think, again, depending on what we do when it comes to building moving forward, might, you know, might be really, really effective and good. And I think one thing about cent- like, like cent- centrality that is so important when we've got players like. Erdegaard, uh, Erdegaard or Smithrow in the, in the centre and Saka on the right is having a big man in the centre who can hold up play. And the thing with Martinelli that's great, and, that's, and you can see this with Ronaldo's progression of his body, he went from being a left winger in, in literal physical stature and profile to being a forward and to being almost a striker either on the left-hand side or in the centre as he is now. Because he put on muscle, and the thing is, is the kid is nineteen. He's he needs time for his body to develop, so that he can start to, sorry, so that he can start to create that muscle mass and have that physical stature. So maybe the best route for him moving forward is to have a system where we play him or Pepe on the left as that second goal threat, and then when he matures and when his physicality matures with age we can move him centrally and that might coincide with kind of the the tailing off of Aubameyang's career or depending, you know, we were talking last night about maybe Ivan Tony coming in, maybe him going and getting a bit older and then you can kind of um, kind of switch between the two for that central role. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure, but I, I think like you say, his future is at left wing for now. See- yeah, and you see the value of it. You know, when Lacazette comes on, the ball sticks just so much better, just because he, he can he can oh. hold it up and he's stronger. Um, okay, so into the game then. Um, not a squad building chat for now, but something I do want to say. It's interesting that the person we look for with those long balls is Pepe. I don't know how tall Pepe is, but he's not the biggest, and it just I think we need some height both in attack and in defence. There was an early shot. Um, of uh, I think a corner West Brom corner that they had Brad's googling it uh, he's oh, six foot he's six okay. foot so he is yeah. tall 
Well, but he's quite wiry. He's quite wiry, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's not, not the sort of a guy particularly want, strong man. You know, holding it up or whatever. I think adding some height to this team would really help. I think we, we, we've done that. And I think actually that's something that Mikel has mm. looked at. Um, and, and I do, you look at, you know, um, Matt Mari and, 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 uh, and Gabrielle. Matt Mari, did you just say? No, Mari. I'm pretty sure you, I don't know. Listen to your recording later. I'm pretty sure I just heard Matt Mari. His name is Matt Mari. That's his name. I've changed. That's it. his name from now I've on. anglicized his name. Not, he's no longer Pablo. He is Matt. It's like when people give you their name and, like, and then an English person's like, can I call you Steve? No. Um, or they, they just they just, ang- they just take it to the first syllable. Yeah. H. <laughs> well, it's um, like, it's like Fikayo Tamori. His name is like unbelievably long, but he's just changed it to Fikayo because no one can say it in this country because we're too lazy to learn. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, so uh, you know, squad building chat around around height, but that's that's sort of a separate. Yeah. Thing. Um, something I wanted, to... and I think that's why we need to add some physical presence at centre forward. Yeah, yeah. Something I wanted to come on to. Um, Gabrielle, um, as in Gabrielle Magayesh. Magalesh. Magayesh. Magayesh. Uh, ironic, given the conversation we just had, that I can't pronounce his name. Um, the, I think he's really, really talented. I was watching him in the sort of early stages and I think he's very raw and I think we've not necessarily seen enough consistency from him. I know he had sort of COVID issues mid-season. It's his first season in the Premier League. He's going to be adapting. But I think this is a guy who can, re- if, if we find him the right partner, could really excel. He was absolutely bouncing it. Bouncing it? He was absolutely bossing it in, in the first uh, sort of 10, 15 minutes. Um really aggressive really dominant he's his mm-hmm. recovery pace is really good he has a nice uh, pass selection he, he, I, I think he's a really really talented center i think he's probably our most talented center back someone that pablo mari and david louis more accomplished uh, or matt mari um are more accomplished but like i think gabriel especially we we got to remember you know he's 22 23 if we find him a right the right partner the right rcb next to him i think he could really explode next season i'm excited about yeah. it i think he's slightly gone the, under the thing radar. The thing with him as well is we've seen the best of him when he's next to David Luiz. And I think it is a pure communication thing because with a native Portuguese speaker next to him, he has that community because as much as you, as a, as center backs, you need communications with your right and left back and the midfield. The most important thing is that you and your, the, the LCB and the right RCB can communicate well and stay in line. And one thing that I would be really interesting to see, I'm pretty sure because obviously he spent some time in France, bringing William Saliba back in, the two of them might speak French. So having to, again, two people who, while it would be a very, very young partnership and a very brave thing to do moving forward, I would be very excited to see those two bedded in as our first choice centre-backs next season with kind of a rolling kind of having Mari there occasionally jump in for certain games or having Chambers there occasionally jump in for certain games because I think that that might solve the communication issues, especially while both uh, Gabrielle and Saliba are learning, you know, better English so they can communicate with the whole team. Yeah. Oh, that was the end of the point. <laughs> yeah, that was the end of the point. Sometimes I don't you, know why I... I lipped up. I lipped up. You said, yeah. And I was like, oh no, I finished talking. I don't know why I'm acting like I'm continuing. Uh, yes. Something else, uh, just to highlight quickly. Um, I'm going to write an article about this, Brad. Plug. Um, wow. Around- Plug. Wow. Please give us your thoughts. Um, the Leno. There's something I've noticed recently where he's been trash chances ha- <laughs> chances happen cal the dragon okay he's chris packets fans um that is my new favorite insult which i've nicked off you it's it's unbelievable um yeah it's great isn't it someone else. <laughs> um the absolutely uh <laughs> it's the cycle of the joke um what, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, okay. So when chances happen, I've noticed something recently. You know that sort of Peter Schmeichel-esque, like, pulls out an unbelievable save and then immediately shouts at his defence? I've noticed a lot more of Leno berating his defence. A lot more. Not only that gets picked up by the cameras, but I've been watching quite a bit and he's talking and he's, he's getting quite agitated. And, and it's a sense I have, plus the, the sort of comments in the media, of this sort of slightly 
I'm too good for the club feeling that I get from Leno. I do get a sense that Leno kind of sees himself as um, just from interviews and just from sort of watching him on the pitch. I do get a sense that he feels in some sense that he has outgrown the club or in some way or in some way he's he's sort of saving us. I don't like it. And I think actually no, Leno is kind I think of it... actually weirdly symbolic of Arsenal's decline. He, he sort of he sort of signed in 2018 and he's had moments and flashes of brilliance. But actually, I think his performances as our, as our sort of team uh, shape and system has, has changed have got worse. I think he's had moments mm. where he's let us down. And I think his what he how good he thinks he is is better than mm-hmm. he is. Yeah, and I think that's Absolutely. quite symbolic of where we've been since 2018. And I th- and funnily enough, I think it it kind of comes into a conversation that last season when he was you know before his injury performing quite well, um, he was vying for the Germany spot because Neuer yeah. was out of form, uh, and there wasn't really anyone staking a claim to Stegen was having a bad season with Barca, I think, and I think that. Everything. I think it's probably a, a mixture of that and also kind of a bit, of, he's a bit of a wounded lamb at Arsenal now because I think he knows that most Arsenal fans would reject him over Martinez if given the option, you know. So I think that it's a mixture of, he knows that he wasn't wanted in a sense. Yeah. And also has now had a much worse season than his counterpart that most fans wanted to stay anyway. And I think that he just feels like it's time to abandon ship almost. Yeah. And I'm, if I'm honest, I'm fine with it. If we can sell him in the summer for 20 million pounds and either bring in Mike Magnon from Lille or, um, Anana from Ajax, if his ban gets lifted, like we're linked to for like either on a free or seven million pounds for the Ajax keeper, which is an absolute steal. That would just, that would be a, a sensational upgrade yeah. for us. Because just, yeah. one thing that we saw, I saw tweeted kind of before the game yesterday was this re, I mean, it's a really stupid thing. It's this whole, this was Mikel Arteta's team. Look at the confidence. And then everyone took the piss oh, yeah, saying, yeah. this is Freddie Lundberg's team. Any, you can clip up, you can clip up, you know, Frank Lampard's Chelsea at one Frank point. Frank Debers, who had once, like, with a bit of decent, exactly, decent play, yeah. Like, with just one, one bit of decent play. But one thing that was massively noticeable from that clip is how brilliant Emmy is in that clip, but he's just doing simple things that Leno can't do. And I think that this season and this system has massively exposed him. Yeah. And he feels like maybe, and this is all theory, it's time to move on from that and move away from that because the, it's like we've seen with Joe Hart. Once you're exposed, the more you get exposed, the worse your your career becomes. You know, yeah. Joe Hart went from being, uh, you know, winning three golden boots in this country to being back up for Torino, back up for Burnley and now back up for Spurs. So I think Leno is seeing this happen before his eyes and kind of going, I need to rescue my career, my yeah. reputation because of my own performances is taking a hit because I'm playing in a system that I can't do. I need to move on and I'm fine with it. If we can get the money we paid for him, if not a little bit more yeah. and get a keeper in for like three or for seven million pounds, like that's just sensational business. And I hope that we can, we can do that. I'd be massively excited about doing that. Yeah, I just I just see him this season being very I don't know, I get I get quite like a done sort of sense from him. His attitude feels very it doesn't feel very in the game. I, I never see him particularly like supportive of the I don't know, it just you know when you get a sense. I know it's it's a bit conjecture Claxon and maybe I need Warning. one, but like conjecture ahead. I don't know, I just I, I my feeling is Leno's time is up. Um I think he say. also shouts at his defence though to cover his own flaws. Peter Schmeichel would shout, and Jens Lehmann would shout at their defenders going, what the fuck are you doing? Because they're sensational goalkeepers and that's just pulled out a save. Leno pulls out kind of a run of the mill, two out of 10 save, but tries to make it look like a 10 out of 10 by flailing himself in the air and then shouts at his defenders like, what are you doing? Not closing down Hyungman Song from 75 yards. Yeah. And, you're and all like, this stupid, <laughs> do, 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 do you know what I mean? Mate, you're like, yeah. ex- like, 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like so I, I think I think his time is up. I think his time is up. And you, do you know what? For two years, he was pretty good for us, pretty darn good, and was established as kind of one of the top five keepers in the league. I think that injury and then the confidence hit after Martinez and the change in system has kind of just ruined his time in England, which is a, yeah. a shame for somebody well, who kind of come to an end. kept us in it for the last two, for two years before this, you know? I thought we were pretty languid in that first section. Um, I thought... Uh, Lethargic. We were, yeah, struggling to put together a couple of passes. We looked pretty underconfident. There was no sprints. There was a, a real staticness. Something that st- stood out to me as I watched United against Villa. And in their good sections, and, and all teams would kind of go through, you know, waves in a match. But in their good patterns of play, the mm. movement, and I know they have Cavani, who's a, an expert, but the movement from those players, they're constantly rotating position. And, and it just pulls and drags and manipulates the space. And we just weren't doing it. So Bios couldn't yeah. make a breakthrough. West Brom are sat in this, you know, deep block. And we've essentially got this sort of scared cat there's a moment where um i can't remember who it is but someone plays in survival he scans about four times he can see himself in acres of space someone plays the ball into him and he and he turns back like immediately as if someone's going to come into him and 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 clatter him playing with such a, a lack of confidence and a lack of um nothing on the half turn it felt very very um just very languid but then i think actually it's kind of perfect because the goal came from the opposite of that. And of course it came from the young confident players in Saka and, and Smith Rowe. Saka was obviously mm-hmm. getting a lot of um, joy down that left-hand side against Furlong. And again, I've talked about this before. What happened against West Brom is we had so much joy down that left-hand side. Same thing happened again. And I'm glad we did, we did kind of target that. Um, but yeah, it's no surprise that the first sort of goal came from some movement and some, and some sprinting. And it was a, it was a, Good bit of play, nice reverse pass. Saka plays it into Smithrow and we're 1-0 up. And then we started playing. And then we started, it felt like the confidence, you know, started, uh, started building. We put together some some nice bits of play. There was movement, there was circulation of position. It felt like something was, you know, there was something to play for. Um, and it's a mm. shame that we have to, <laughs> because in, in another game... I don't think that we do like, though. And like, yeah. like a, um, I think Shaq tweeted at us um, on Twitter, you know, we, we can give certain players the excuse or reasoning that they are confidence-based players, but it gets to a point, if you're levying that at the whole team, it's just that they're not good enough, you know? Like, all respect to Granit Xhaka, but he is not just good. He, he just isn't good enough. And his mentality isn't good enough. You know, uh, everyone talks yeah. about him as a, as a mentality don and this guy that, you know, has got this elite mentality. But then why is he going up after we've lost to Villarreal and after we've lost to Everton and smiling and talking to opposition players? That is not the mentality of a winner. That is the mentality of somebody who is here picking up a cheque because he doesn't care. And I think this is the issue. There is t- too many of those mentalities within yeah. this 11. And I think the good enough question definitely does. It can be, it may well be that you are technically good enough to play for Arsenal, but if you can't see that we need to get a job done against West Brom, if you can't motivate yourself to to sprint that extra five yards, if you're mm. Willian, right, and you're, it may well be that Willian is, is a technically proficient player. And I actually think he is. He's quite tidy. Um, you know, when he's concentrated, I don't think he loses the ball much. He put that free kick on a bloody post, postage stamp yesterday. Bloody postage stamp. A bloody postage stamp yesterday. But ultimately... It was a clever routine as well. Yeah, but if if your mindset isn't right that's the same thing it's it's all part of the same yeah. thing and if you're if you're not willing to work for the team that you're then not good enough for the team that, that's yeah that 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 goes hand in hand um yeah i i thought you know it's it's just a shame that it feels like there there has to be an incident before we get going in every game i've never seen yeah. arsenal do you remember that was it uh, it was on bt sport it was away at anfield I remember it just because I was watching it. It was it was like 2014. It might have been the Rodgers season. Liverpool came out and put like four passes in the first 20 minutes. It was an absolute battering. I can't remember exactly what game it was. It was some, somewhere around 2014, 15, so the Rodgers era of Liverpool. I've never seen it's the, it's the pod that I mentioned. It's the pod I, I mentioned with Andy, I think. The episode that I mentioned. Yeah, the maybe. game that I mentioned with Andy. Maybe. I've never seen Arsenal come out of the blocks 
like that or even attempt to because I understand you can come out of the blocks firing and it just doesn't come yeah. off but this this thing that we need to grow into the game we lose control of the game and then it's gone and and I think it, the frustrating part is it doesn't feel like we ever go right we're just going to get the job done we, we talked about this in the semi-final it never feels like we're going to just come out of the blocks get those two early goals and control the game and control the tempo and then at 60-70 minutes you can take your best players off you don't need to risk them so yeah, mm. I don't know. It just it was it was another one of those. Luckily, this one, the goal went for us, um, and then we started to sort of get a bit of confidence. Sebastian's influence was growing, um, and then the Pepe goal. Yep. Woo! What a finish! Ooh. And sensational, mate. That's what he can do. Uh, we, you know, there's the the meta conversation about Pepe, but ultimately, you give him a bit of space. There's not many players in our team, if any, who from that position would be able to consistently do that, yeah. score that kind of goal. And that's and that's an absolute superpower. I think something. Uh, I think we had seven shots on target in this game, and the, the most we've had um, in another game this season was twelve. And it is this thing. I think again against Newcastle, I noted. I noted it. It's a very simple bit of analysis. But if you take more shots, you're going to score more goals. If you buy tickets, mm. you're going to win more raffles. So yeah, let's just start shooting. And I think you know um, something I want to come on to and highlight and and, and get your your view on Premier League goals this season. Joe Willock scored five, and combined from our midfield, we've had four from you know I know Willian's more of a winger, but Willian, Smithrow, Xhaka, Elneny, Party, and Ceballos. We've had four. That's a conversation about Joe Willock that's not to be had. But we've got to add goals to the midfield, and we've got to start absolutely. Shooting. <laughs> Absolutely, and the thing with the thing, I think it the, again the Willock conversation we can have an, uh, have another time. I'd be interested to see him kind of moved back in, but you have to understand that Newcastle's style of play is so juxtaposed to what we are trying to do that he might not have the same impact or effect in our midfield. Sure, it's it's arriving um, late, it's low touch. I get that. Yeah, but, you know, but we have to find so, a way to get but, more but goals. But there in is the there, yeah, we have to get more goals in the midfield. And whether that's you know, we we've been linked to Camavinga this morning, and he's apparently our top priority. And I think that that is a sensational move, and absolutely should be our top priority uh, along with Emi Buendia. But um, like, if you check that list that I sent you last night, Willock's not on it because I think he's done enough to be a rotation option next season. But the one thing that I think is that. Too often have we held on to prospects for the sake of it. And maybe it's time after he's had a good purple patch to sell him and get that 30 mil or whatever, or 25 mil if we can get it. And then, because he could tail off at any point. And we've seen it with Lingard this season, you know, he massively outperformed his XG and has now ran cold for the last four games. So it might be time to kind of move him on. But the, the, the kind of bigger conversation, like you say, is that, we have to add a goal-scoring midfielder to that, that to and, that, pivot. and work out a way that that we can get those players in those positions. I mean, you know, El Neni. I know there's this sort of there's almost like this like sort of nice pleasant surprise when El Neni scores goals, yeah. right? And that's and that's great because he's not really known to be a goal scorer. But that's just because he takes shots. And it's getting players into those positions. It's, you know, when the ball breaks, that second ball on the edge of the box, have a go. Mm. Too often I see Ceballos collect it and recycle it around the side or, you know, Xhaka or... or I think it's it's personnel. It's personnel. And then and hopefully after a good summer, we might see... Look, I, 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 I do think that at some point we have to add goals to our midfield. But I think that the reason that we're saying this is because our attack has ran so cold this season. Yeah, yeah. Look at Liverpool's midfield. Liverpool's midfield don't score a rid- ridiculous amount of goals, you know, and they don't need to. And I think that that's the thing is we're, we're, we're going, well, where can we add goals? Because no one else is scoring at an acceptable rate at the moment. If we sort our attack out and stick in this 4-2-3-1, which Aubameyang scored what? I think it's 10 goals in 15 starts or 10 goals in 14 starts in this system. And it's getting the best out of him. And we sign another striker who is a bit more suited to the system. And Pepe can up his goal contributions. And so can Saka or whoever. Then brilliant. We might not have to add goals to the pivot just yet. But 
that is de- if we can't fix those issues we need to add goals to the to the center of the park to the 100%. you know those two players i um i have to say i really enjoyed the moment someone like you know saka's footballing iq is just like off the charts and he was having a such he was having an absolute field day down that left hand side there was a moment where he gets in no one gambles on the near post um uh run and martinelli is basically going well why didn't you pass to me and you just get a shot of Saka going, well, move then. <laughs> I was like, that sums up my feelings on this entire team, Bukayo. Thank you. Yeah. Well, move then. If you want to score, you've got to move. You've got to but Yeah, and this, make this the is run. the thing as well. <laughs> like, we, we, there was quite a lot of negativity in the last episode. And I think that's because of it was the end of our season, you know, and we've had a very, very, very bad season. But there is there there is and there can be a bright future with this squad with all of these absolutely sensational youngsters and then you know even I, I I do in some aspects include Pepe in some of these conversations like he is good enough to be in a top six or a top four club it's just we need to be getting the best out of these players and I think it's both it's the systems that haven't been and it's the other players around them that haven't been getting the best out of themselves to help get the best out of others so hopefully next season we see more of this kind of performance where there is a bit more confidence and where we are playing a bit more free-flowing and even though okay we may not have had the most xg we've won the game by two goals and most of the XG that they had, we gave them by kind of fucking it up ourselves. And it's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not challenging a man on a 60 yard run and then just allowing him a free shot at goal. Oh yeah. I think it's also having a team who know they're secure, right? Like, you know, you look mm. at that, you look at that lineup and you go, you know, Leno, Chambers, Holding, Elneny, Ceballos, Willian, even Pepe. If you have what's that, three, four players in Saka, Gabriel, Smithrow, and Martinelli who probably know they're going to be here next season. It's not enough. And there, there can be some, there's, there can no, be some question no. marks around a few players. But, you know, if we're looking for motivation and we're looking for security, that, that has to be a part of the conversation because it's like, well, how can you expect these guys to, to you know, the, the counter-argument to the, well, you know, you need to be able to get yourselves up and, and, and your mentality needs to be good enough to try and win any game the counter to that is well if i'm willian i'm el nenny i'm sabios and i know i'm going home in four days four days four games i don't know it just it's it's a difficult one it's it's something to kind of factor into the conversation i think especially at the end of this season when we know there's basically nothing to play for yeah 100 um west brom started to sort of grow into the game in the second half they looked a bit more um well, they looked like they were going down and they <laughs> needed to try something. Made a few subs. Um, yeah. Robson Carney wearing the number four shirt is disgusting. Thank you, Brad, because I was going to have to say that. Why is a striker wearing number four? They should they should be relegated for that. Should frankly. be shot. Should be shot. They should be relegated for that. Thank God they were. And that's on Big Sam as well. Disgusting. Sacrilege. Um, also, they have a dude called OK. <laughs> They have a player whose name on his back is 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 okay, and it might be like a who was it, it was number uh, thirty five, who's Yokoslu. Oh, Yokoslu. Yokoslu. This is so ironic considering what happened earlier. Yokoslu. Um, Yok- yeah. <laughs> Yokoslu, I think his name is, who's got okay on his back, which is brilliantly symbolic. Um, yeah, and then West Brom kind of came back into it. Um. The goal happened. Uh, I think we were backing off. Leno can do better. But then... Nobody took charge of making the chat. I think that's the thing. Nobody wants to take charge of making a challenge at the moment. Yeah. And that's tip- that's typical of some of the players in this squad. You, you know, we've seen it from El Nenny all season. We've seen it from Ceballos all season. We've seen it from Holding at so many points. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It, it, and it just comes from fear, doesn't it? Yeah. And lack of leadership. Um, but then we sort of rode the storm. I think West Brom sort of came onto us for a bit. And, uh, you know, as I say, I think we, uh, when we criticise them for shipping goals, we should criticize, We should you know, praise them when they when they get through a storm. And, and we got through it. And eventually we got the, the free kick with Willian. And hey, listen, 
Good goal. It's a well-worked routine, you know, having the left footer in Pepe run over it. So it gives Johnston the the kind of thought that it's going to go to his his left to that massive open space. And so when Willian hits it, he does go to that left-hand side and he's, whereas Willian's gone keeper's side and it just catches him a little off guard. And it's well struck and it's put straight in the top corner. Um, I mean, it's a free kick. So it's like, as much as you give, you give props for brilliant moments and a brilliant free kick like that, you also have to kind of go, well, it's not like he's done anything particularly special in a challenged moment in the game. It's a superbly yeah. struck free kick, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But the fact that his first goal is from kind of non-open play just doesn't surprise in me. In basically a dead rubber game, yeah, sort of sums it yeah. up. I think, um, just to give credit to Arteta on the substitutions and go back slightly, um, we did see a sub on 60 minutes, Martinelli, um came off uh, for, was it Lacazette? No, not 60 Yeah, minutes. it was Lacazette. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, bang on 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and we're starting to see earlier substitutions, which is good. Um, I, I don't know whether that's, you know, something that Arteta will continue with. I, I, I couldn't really see particularly why he took Martini off at that point. I think he could have come off sort of 10, 15 minutes later, but, you know, it was an early substitution, which is nice to see. And bringing Party mm-hmm. on to kind of control the game a bit more, I, I, do, under- I do understand. But I kind of want to, just finish off the discussion on the game with a. There always seems to be from about seventy minutes, and I'm going to call it Arsenal blunderball, where we just seem to lose all shape, and it becomes long ball. It becomes yeah. we lose this. There's this sort of unbelievably choreographed and secure, and I use the word secure on purpose, as in not exciting, build up. And it's, you know, it's really slow, it's it's careful, it's trying to get exactly what Arteta wants. And, you know, I think that's, you know, people are scared of getting it wrong. But then by 70 minutes, we end up in this, like, shapeless sort of end-to-end game, pretty much every game, certainly for the last sort of three or four games. If you watch hmm. a, a team like City, the patterns of play and the... And, you know, games get into, you know, you get tired legs and all that sort of stuff happens and, you know, you, you sort of lose your shape a little bit. But if you watch City at sort of 85, 86 minutes, you can still see the patterns and you can still see the the game plan. It feels to me like we get to this point, uh, yeah, around 70 minutes and we just start basically following the ball. And it, it, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't feel, it feels like a, the ne- another step on the road and another evolution where we can just... Maybe it's fitness. I don't know. Yeah, I. It could be fitness. I think one thing that we need to consider is the fact that this is the uh, like we rolled pretty much straight over into this season, and there's going to be some fitness issues come the end of it. But I, I think it also just comes from a lack of quality in some points uh, from certain players, and uh, a lack of. I don't want to say a lack of good coaching because that's not what I mean, but it's indicatory of the coaching that at 70 minutes, all hell breaks loose and that that's not been sorted yet. Um, Because if you're Mikel Arteta and you're seeing at 70 minutes, every game, your players turn into headless chickens and just start chasing the ball. You need to figure out whether that's a fitness issue or whether that's, um, a player issue or whether that's a a choice by you as a manager going, okay, if it's not working at 70 minutes, do what you want. So I think that it, it, we need to figure out why that's happening and kind of stop it because it, it leaves us open. It really does leave us open at points. And, you know, there were a few opportunities where West Brom could have easily got back into the game. And we were, you know, I remember a free header. I don't know if it's, Bartley or someone, right? Oh, no, no, no. It might have been Garner, Or it might have been Diania, because I always get the two confused because their names are so similar. Um, again, ironic. There's a, there's like, yeah, again, <laughs> massively ironic. But it's also, it's because the commentators, like, I can only see like a widespread view and then half the time the commentators are getting the names wrong. So I'm like, yeah. well, if you can't tell me, I'm watching on a laptop screen on a fuzzy feed from Kazakhstan. They could, like, how am I meant to they know? Called him, they called him Vini Venkitashim or something yesterday. I was like, oh, God. God, Christ almighty. Um, 
so we were like we said we've got to give them praise for getting through it but there were some definite kind of squeaky bum time moments where we could have thrown all of it away for no reason yeah 100 percent. just looked up the word indicatory good use um <coughs> uh the only thing i wanted to say was uh kyle bartley who said there was basically uh kyle bartley with a rallying cry for his troops come on one goal and they'll shit themselves and Gunner Blog tweeted, ex-Arsenal, he knows. Uh, which yeah. I really enjoyed. That was that, one thing that I loved as well is, um, oh, I think it was between, um, I think it was Tierney shouted at one of their players after kicking it off of him to get, um, to get like a throw in. And he just goes something like, don't you fucking dare, as in don't you dare try and call for that being yours. And I'm like, Ooh, I love that. Yes. I love that though. I love, I love that. that. And I think you need to, it's like you need that Patrick Vieira, like all that aggressive type, you know, that Roy Keane. There's, there's a famous quote from, I don't know if it's Clattenburg or even, uh, who's the bald one that um, basically, oh, Howard Webb, that got known for being like massively biased towards United at a few points, um, said that at one point, you know, Roy Keane shouted for a free kick or something and he gave the free kick to Roy just because he was scared of him or something. <laughs> If you go, I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but if you try and look for it or Google that quote, it's like a legit quote where a referee genuinely gave Roy Keane a free kick because Roy Keane shouted at him. It's funny now, <laughs> but at the time they would completely deny all bias. And then now, right now they would completely deny all bias. I wonder what will come out in 20 years about, you know, Bruno Fernandes. Or yeah. Um, okay. Anything else on the game, Bradley? No, nothing from me, Alex. We'll see you. After this. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views for most of the hours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Premier League goal involvements this season. Willian, six. Hakim Ziyech, five. Christian Pulisic, five. Good vibes. Good vibes. Um, so I just wanted to touch on something that came out in uh, David Orr's... Uh, no, not David Orr's scene. Steve Maidley and Tom Warville's uh, column about West Brom's relegation. Maitland-Niles called a team meeting and basically had a go at the club, had a go at the players. He said, uh, essentially, that he thought his teammates were easing off and believing their season was over. Called a meeting in the in the team canteen. And at 23, on loan. Um, That's ballsy. Yeah, 15-minute meeting. Maitland-Niles basically told him to liven up. I, pretty ballsy. I, I was really shocked to read that because I, I have Maitland-Niles down, uh, down as a very kind of quiet character, someone who... I don't know, just wouldn't wouldn't do that. And, and I to- would be really fascinated to know the exact date that that happened because in the last couple of games, they've had a decent uptake in results. You know, they drew with United. It was United, just before the Chelsea game. It was before the Chelsea game. Just before the Chelsea game. So before then, they'd drawn yeah. with United, drawn with, and then since Chelsea, they beat Chelsea, beat West Brom, Drew with Villa, Drew West with Brom Wolves, beat West Brom. lost to Leicester. Oh, beat beat Southampton, sorry. West Brom did beat West Brom and then lost to us. So they've had two uh, two wins, a loss and two draws and then another lot. So could he, could they've he got two, two and two in six games. <laughs> yeah, that's... Does he want to give our boys a, a speech maybe two weeks ago? Yeah, maybe might have been a good idea, but, but all jokes yeah, aside, I mean, that's ended a very, his own career by not. That's a very playing fullback, but yeah, that, it's a very strong thing to do, especially on loan in a club that you know you're probably not going to stay. At, frankly, um, I was really surprised to see that. But hey, listen, you know, hopefully he's you know maturing as a footballer, and if he's taking more accountability, that can only be a good thing. And yeah, I I I just thought it was an interesting uh, thing to come out this week. Yeah. Um, Yes, we've had some news from Alexis Bernard about Kamavinga, uh, 18-year-old centre midfielder from Wren. Um, highly rated. Brad's watched a bit more of him than I have. Go on, darling. Yeah, I think he he adds a lot of what Xhaka does not have in the athleticism, 
he doesn't have the same range of passing, but he's not. That doesn't mean he's a bad passer. And I just think that he's exactly the type of. He's nowhere near it like the finished article. He's a very raw prospect, but he ex- he is exactly the type of profile we should go for. Young, a year left on his contract, highly sought after and rated, and could really grow and bloom into a fantastic midfielder. Um, and again, would replace Xhaka for me on that left-hand side, because he is left-footed, has got a decent ball with that left foot, and could easily feed Tierney down that left-hand side. He's also got more of a physical presence. He's a bit more agile than Xhaka. You know, he seems to have 100% of the things that Xhaka lacks in the athleticism and the agility and the physical presence at times, but only kind of 40%, only kind of lacks 40% of the things that Xhaka has when it comes to Xhaka's passing range for me. So definitely could, would, for me, it's a it's a great move. Uh, it, it would, I think we'd also need another central midfielder moving forward, maybe a Basuma or somebody, but he is the kind of profile of kind of transfer we should be looking at picking up because that's the kind of moves that Leicester and, would be making, you know, and we need oh, to yeah. be smarter with that kind of shit. We really do. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, and you talked about it before, the French TV rights deal. Yeah, um, collapsing. All that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So, no, it, I mean, listen, I, it would be, it's an absolute pipe dream to get a player of, of that kind of quality at that age. Um, but, hey. Yeah, and, you know, he carries the ball about, kind of 1.8 times a game uh kind of three to four defensive actions a game whilst you know putting up nearly two key passes dribbling nearly three times his passing is decent he's got 91 percent accuracy tries about two long balls a game like could definitely fit in on that left hand side and as somebody who is 18 years old left footed which is perfectly what we need uh and is playing you know, first team football, both in the Champions League and in Liga, it would be brilliant moving forward. And also he's played a, fa- a decent amount of time at defensive midfield as well. He's played four games at defensive midfield. Um, and French some of his best kind well, of overall, yeah. And in some of his best kind of overall performances have been at defensive midfield, which again, might give parties some more freedom to kind of do some more progressive carries, a bit more progressive passing. Uh, and I think it's it's a return to the mould of signings that we, you know, and I think Ivan Tony is one of these. It's a return to the old mould of signings we used to sign. We used to sign kind of young French talented players or young English talented players from other clubs and then allow them to grow here. And that was quite successful for us. So maybe returning to that mould again wouldn't be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, just to close out the show, Brad. So we have our remaining fixtures are Chelsea away on Wednesday. Uh, we have uh, Crystal Palace away the following Wednesday, a week later. And then on that Sunday, we finish our season at home to Brighton and Hove Albion. We obviously want to get to West Brom yesterday. We can get, I think we can get up to, is it 61 points? If yeah, we if we yeah, win we all the next 60, games, it's 61, 61 points. points. We... Uh, I hate to say this, Brad, but Chelsea's win yesterday means we cannot qualify for the Champions League, which yeah, I know, uh, pretty shocking. But we are only five points off Liverpool. They have a game in hand in sixth. We're only six points off West Ham in fifth. Do you hold out any hope of European qualification for the league? No. Thanks for listening to the no, podcast. <laughs> because because I think Chelsea are in the hunt for top four. And whilst we cannot usurp them, they can still be usurped by Liverpool, by West Ham. So Chelsea, and we've already seen that we can't even get ourselves up for a fucking European semi-final, let alone a dead game in the Premier League that matters way less to us than it does to them. Uh, I, It can happen. It of course could happen. And we could win the next four games, end on 61 points. And if West Ham, Tottenham, Everton all drop points, we could end up kind of sixth, seventh, and then get in the qualification because uh, Chelsea win the FA Cup. 
It just requires so many other things to go. go we would for basically us, you know I mean? need to win all the next four games. Have three games. West three games. Ham can three games. Have West Ham continue to drop points. Tottenham to drop points. Everton to drop points. And then we would need Chelsea to win the FA Cup so that yep. their automatic qualification would drop down to seventh place. So you would have fifth, sixth and seventh. So that would kind of guarantee us the Europa League qual. Also need sort of like a maybe like a landslide at the Leicester Stadium. Maybe if we sort of like perhaps like some sort of food poisoning going around the Liverpool squad. If all of these things come together, Brad, we might. We could win the league. We might win the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a tall order. I mean, I'm I'm kind of being optimistic. I, I, listen, never say it never. It could happen. But I no, was looking at the table. It's not that far and, out of reach. Yeah, and I think also you know to take into account in terms of assessing our season when we do get to the end of it, because we have been in that sort of mid table like ninth, tenth, eleven period for so long. I think we do forget that you know fourth is nine points away. Now, listen, that's there's a lot of teams in between there. It's a very compressed league and it has remained so throughout the season. And ninth sounds bad and is bad, and I'm not taking away from that, but we're not ninth and 20 points off fourth. We're ninth and, and, and nine points off. So uh, 11 points off, sorry. Um, I can't count. Right. Look, if, if, if the Wolves result wasn't fucked by that red card and if we were given the penalty that we should have been given against Burnley and score it... And then, you know, there's probably the wind was blowing in the right direction. Yeah. No, but if any, if some of those things that really did hurt us and go against us, we could be in the shout for a late surge for top four, which seems baffling in a season that is the biggest failure of my lifetime. Like this is the biggest season of failure when it comes to the standards of Arsenal Football Club in my lifetime. And if we are, if we are, three dodgy decisions away from being in the conversation of top four when it comes to if we do a good squad build in the summer and we yeah and you know i i i i still think that moving on from arteta would be a good idea but we had a conversation over whatsapp where i i, I kind of agreed with you that six months giving him six months might not be the worst idea purely because then you've got six months off of rogers's contract six months off of potter's six months off of 10 hogs and they become a lot easier and cheaper and available to pull from other clubs and it, uh, for me i'd rather wait six months with arteta and get 10 hog than get eddie yeah. howe now so now. Yeah. yeah exactly so it, if if we're not that far away we really aren't as far yeah. away as everyone and all these pundits and these people on fucking Twitter think and say that Arsenal are purely because we're ninth. We're not that far away. Everton have had the best season they've had in a while and they've got some of the best players they've had in years in Allen and Hammers Rodriguez and Calvert-Lewin getting kind of 15 league goals. And they are three points ahead of us with a game in hand. Th- there's, you know? ten, there's 10 points between 5th and 11th. Like, it... it... It's really not an, uh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, with certain players that will be poached from other teams come the end of the season, you know, depending on what happens with Jack Grealish at Villa, because you could see a United going in for him, maybe, instead of Sancho. Or if you look at West Ham are going to fall away next season when they are in the Europa League or the Champions League, Leicester could do the same thing, you know depending on what happens with Harry Kane and Hyungman Son at Spurs. This is this is the time where we need a great summer because there is so much opportunity, especially if we're out of European competition, to usurp people in the league. 100%. And to really push forward. And mate, just, you know, think I, I think, you know, just to come back to it, you know, think of whoever that guy's shoulder it was against Villa that kept that Pepe chance out. The Wolves, bollocks, the VAR. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the VAR will be fixed next season. The, I, listen, we can sit here and play if only, if only, if only. We, it's been a terrible season, but I think you're right. We're just not as far as maybe it feels. We're where, we are where we deserve to be, but the difference is, is the kind of heady heights people talk about when it comes to top four finishes or top six or whatever isn't actually as far away as people deem, especially if we get rid of a lot of Deadwood this summer. Yes. Yes, mate. It's positive. It's okay, positive endings. finish off the show. With another positive ending of Arsenal trivia, which we always do. Trivia questions. Arsenal were involved in the first football match to be broadcast live on TV in 3D. 
That really worked out. When Sky screened their 3-1 defeat to Man United on what date, Brad? Oh, June 7th, 1958. Brad, we're talking about 3D. At least do an educated guess. 1997. 3D? Oh, do what you mean like popping out 3D? No, I mean I thought you, the other oh, wait, 3D. I'm so, confu- I'm so confused. <laughs> I just thought I was getting confused as in like, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. I just got myself confused and I just thought you meant a game that wasn't like fucking Sabut, like completely two dimensional and you just couldn't see half the shit. Okay. Like maybe 2011. No idea what you're on about. You're not far off. January 31st, 2010. Not bad. Okay. That's not bad. I got, I just thought you meant like the first game actually like live. I got a bit confused there, didn't I? Fucking hell. Very confused. Um, Very stupid from me there. Very stupid. No, listen, Brad, it happens. Um, also, I can edit it, so I I take out my stupid things. I I just leave yours in because I'm a savage. Yeah, mate. Um, <laughs> next Arsenal trivia question for next time. Very simple one. How many times have Arsenal won the League Cup? How many times have Arsenal won what will be now known as the Carabao Cup, or the Carling Cup, or the Capital One Cup, or the Cup Cup, or the Cup EFL Cup? How many times have Arsenal won the League Cup? Okay, Brad. Okay, mate. A pleasure. As always. As always. As always, my friend. I got over you calling me Rolf Harris at the beginning of the podcast. And, uh, <laughs> All right, mate. A pleasure. All right, fella. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we will see you Thanks, after guys. the Chelsea game on Wednesday. Looking Up three points. Let's go, the lads. 57-0 defeat. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.